Welcome to Pitchside Perspective Podcast with your hosts Stuart Sharples and Jack Colazar. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Pitchside Perspective Podcast. In this episode, we are shining the spotlight on a group of players who might not always make the headlines, but their ability and contributions are nothing short of the extraordinary. That's right, it's all about the unsung heroes. We'll be debating who makes the best team of the most underrated players of the Premier League era. Talking about underrated, Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It's uh, a very interesting weekend of uh, of games, I'm sure... Uh, the drama was, uh, it's all over the news at the moment, right? With the, the VAR calls. and But I think outside of the VAR calls, there were some good games as well. Yeah, good games. Uh, lots of drama in terms of VAR. Jurgen Klopp coming out today asking for a rematch, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's uh, never going to happen, is it? Or at some point, he will benefit from a referee decision, as he often does. So I don't know why that one's even a thought in his mind. Um, but yeah, like you say, some good games. Good to have a... Lots of action. He definitely does have a shout, though, for uh, being swindled this weekend. I, I can understand when it's an opinionated call. Is it a red card? Is it not a red card? But when it comes to offside and it being subjective, it's, I, I don't know if you've heard that audio about from the VAR hub, but they rec- they realise they made that mistake. And according to, I think, the letter of the law, once the referee restarts the game, they can't now bring it back. But... That just seems like it's so dated and that rule should be looked at. Yeah, I've heard the audio. I thought two things. One, obviously, like you said, they immediately knew that they'd made a mistake and the fact that then there's the rest of the game going on and they know that mistake's already happened. Um, and and the kind of one person saying there's nothing I can do. And I, and I, I think, like you said, maybe the rule stop it, but I do think that at that point you have to have almost the leadership or the confidence to say, stop the game, here's what's happened, get the two managers together. I'm going to either give a goal or we're going to work out a way for Liverpool to score, you know, drop the ball, Liverpool score a goal, whatever it might be. Because they realised literally seconds or immediately after the game restarted again. Um, so they needed to react quickly and show a little bit of authority there, I think. And on the same side of things, Every person in their jobs day to day make mistakes. So they have made a mistake. Obviously, they're going to get a big backlash for it. But I think the audio does show that it's a genuine mistake. Just a little bit of confusion. Yes, they should be better. But obviously, um, you can't really agree with the the abuse they, they, that they get afterwards. No, 100%. Nobody deserves to be abused like how they have been. And yes, do they deserve to have some type of punishment? Sure, but... The thing that kind of winds me up as well is how the Premier League, and I'm not sure which clubs it was, but the clubs voted against the uh, the automated VAR system that you see in the Champions League. So where you see in like Champions League and other European leagues where there's an offside, you see that virtual graphic, almost like a, a wall, like a virtual wall going up against the last player. Teams in the Premier League voted against it. So now these teams, people like Klopp, if he was against it, now can't come out and ridicule the mistakes if you're not willing to improve the technology yeah well maybe after that there'll be a different different vote at the end of the season um when they're doing those same questions about the the following season yeah i think i think var is here to stay it's just how we how we use it and how we implement it it's, they're never going to get rid of it now so we just have to improve it but i think that comes from the human side as well um, but yeah, so what is uh, what beer in hand this week? So I have a beer from the Sly Fox Brewery, which is uh, in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, pretty local to me. It's the Alex's Raspberry Lemon Ale. So it's a um, a beer they produced in partnership with Alex's Lemonade Stand. Obviously, we've just come out of um, September, which was Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and. Uh, they are fighting childhood childhood cancer one can at a time. So it's a little partnership they've done with Alex's Lemonade Stand where the uh, proceeds of the sales go towards that charity. And Fantastic. it's good too. Good. Fantastic. Sounds uh, like a good beer all round. I, uh, 
I've stuck with the Hoboken Brewery. I just picked up a different one this week. Um, I do like all the beers that they have. I've gone for the Even Flow Pale Ale. Um, very similar to last week, just obviously without the, the coconut. Um, but this is like one of those where you could easily get through four, five, six of these without really knowing. Um, it's a 5.3% beer, so you could probably get through without feeling too tipsy. Um it's refreshing, especially when days are like today and it's 80 degrees out. It's definitely worth uh, worth a try. Yeah, it's been nice with this late summer kind of throwback we've had. It's good. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. But yeah, Jack, what uh, what question you got for me? Uh, yeah, my turn to ask the question again. It's definitely easier. I know you struggled with the, the previous one. It's definitely easier, although it does have a little trick in there. So what I want from you is uh, seven players with the name David. First name David, who have a Premier League winners' medal. There are eight Davids in total that have won the Premier League, but only seven have a Premier League winners' medal. If you can name those seven, you win. And if you can name the eighth player who won the Premier League but did not get a medal, um, you can get a bonus point too. Okay, so I'm looking for. Seven Davids to have won the Premier League, and there's a bonus eighth David out there who might have a, a little bit of a question mark about him. That's right. All right. will be explained at the end of the podcast. All right, so I'll have a little think. Straight away, I've got one or two in my head that came straight to uh, straight to my mind. So I, I, I think I'm, I've got a few in here, but uh, I'll have to have, obviously have a think, and we'll come back at the end of the episode for that. Um, will you, um, as previously, will you be promising a hoodie? to any listener who can get all seven answers. Maybe also a free Pitside Perspective podcast mug if they can get the bonus question too. So yeah, the merchandise is in the works. It is shortly coming out. Um, do I promise it? I only promise it if they have deep pockets um, and able to uh, get their hands out of their pockets and pay for it. Um, but we'll see. Maybe the merch will be a, a prize in the future. Yeah, they'll they'll win the opportunity They'll win the opportunity to buy a hoodie. Yeah, like it. Like that way of phrasing it. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. It took a lot of thinking because you've got to kind of dive in there a little bit. Who's underrated? To be clear, underrated 11. When I'm looking at my plays, I'm thinking not necessarily if they were good or they were not good, but the difference between how good I think they are compared to how good everyone else thinks they are and the, uh, and the uh, accolades or or the uh, the prayers that they got from journalists, public, and whatnot. All right. But, yeah, I found this one. I actually found it tricky, but I found it really enjoyable because it brought some, like, my memory of some players that I've completely forgotten about who I remember growing up watching and rating them as players as a kid. So I enjoyed this one. Um, I think we kind of go through how we have done in the past. We'll start goalkeeper and go back four. I've gone for a... A four-three-three, and I think you may have done that as well. So we'll kind of stick with that formation. Um, but Jack, I'll I'll let you go first with uh, announcing your goalkeeper. Okay, yeah, I will go first. This is um one of my favourites growing up as a kid as a goalkeeper. You see, Jasko Linen, most well known for playing for Bolton, uh, four hundred and seventy-four appearances for Bolton. Also made over fifty appearances for West Ham in the Premier League as well. When it comes to accolades, stats, uh, I don't have anything massive that's going to the win win the uh, the argument here. He did win third best save in the first 20 years of the Premier League when they did their PL20 anniversary awards, which is pretty impressive. But I think for me, it was just the consistency year after year, performing at a real high level, playing in a team that had moments where they you know battled for Europe but most of the time we're mid or lower lower table team. Uh, I never got that move to a big club that I always thought he deserved. Yeah, I used to like him. I uh, he, was, he had that, that angry edge to him as well sometimes. There was times he came storming out of his box and giving, uh, giving the rifle up somebody. I yeah, like super, where you... A super nice guy, but then like would have a bit of an edge to him, you know? Yeah, I like what you you've done here with uh, with Yaskalainen. Um, I always remember him kind of like in that baggy Bolton kit. Um, shaggy blonde hair. Um, no, I I rated him. Sleeves rolled up halfway. He's always had the sleeves rolled up halfway up his forearms. Yep, hundred percent. 
Um, do you remember that keeper, Gabor Karali, as well, who always used to wear uh, pants? He used to wear, like, sweatpants. Yeah, was he the one where, when Paul Scholes got that volley off the bar? He had shorts? Yeah. Yeah. But And then I think there was one game against Chelsea, he wore shorts for the first time and let in a load of goals. Um, he, he sprung to mind as well. But no, the keeper that I've gone for um, is an American. He made... He has the record for the most consecutive Premier League appearances. Do you think you know who it is? There's, well, there's been quite a few good, uh, really good American goalkeepers in the past. So Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller. Um, I go Brad Friedel. Yeah, Brad Friedel I've gone for. Um, I just think he was, if you kind of take out the top, top goalkeepers, your Van der Sars, your Smichels, your Czechs, I think he's in that next group of goalkeepers. And I would almost label him as like Mr. Consistency. Like you think about like injuries, 310 appearances consecutively. That, that's good. That's really good. Um, and he has 100, 132 clean sheets. Um, I just think if you're thinking about top goalkeepers in the Premier League, I think he comes in a shot. I don't think you would say he's a, a world-class goalkeeper, but he comes into that next category of being very, very good. Yeah, another good goalkeeper. That is a very good stat as well. The most consecutive Premier League matches in a row. And world. he still holds that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, which one's more iconic? I'm going to go Yossi Askelainen in terms of someone who stuck in my memory as a player and who I just thought was an underrated player. Brad Friedel, most of, the, most of his career at Blackburn. Yeah, so it was Blackburn, Tottenham. Tottenham, he had... That was when Tottenham were kind of pushing on trying to get Champions League that was like when they had like the Gareth Bale years um, and he done well there I'm pretty did Brad Fried also play at Liverpool or not yeah that rings a bell yeah so he did have opportunities at, opportunities at bigger clubs but also with the US national team as well he was I think he was their number one for a long long time and like you look at a lot of players that get older in their careers who retire from an international game to prolong their club careers he didn't have to. He managed to do both. And I just think that goes down to his consistency, his level of professionalism. I think there was one game as well. And I could be corrected here. He went up for a corner to score. I think it was against Charlton Athletic, if my knowledge is good. He went up and he scored, right, off a last-minute goal. And then he went back. And as they were kicking off, he was still, like, kind of celebrating and buzzing. And they went down and scored against him. Are you arguing for or against Brad Friedel? <laughs> yeah, there I'm arguing against. I just thought that was a, an iconic moment. But I think for me, I think Brad Friedel was a more imposing goalkeeper than Jeskalainen. That this one's a this one's a tough one. This one's a fifty fifty one. I think for me at least, this is fifty fifty. All right, maybe we do an Arsenal here. We have two top goalkeepers and we rotate them. Maybe this is the only one we agree to share well, the load. No, no. If I'm saying it's fifty fifty, then you're strong on Brad Friedel. I'll let you take it. So we have having Brad. We'll, we'll put Brad in there, especially for the American fans. There we go. Americans, you've got a player in there. We have Brad Friedel starting as the number one. And um, he, he's number one for the US. is actually a pretty good achievement when you consider there were good American goalkeepers at that time competing for that position as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you said earlier, like with Tim Howard, then Brad Guzan later on down the line. There were some good, good goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, just shame about the rest of their players. Um, but yeah, so Brad Friedling goal. I reckon we go with both fullback, right back and left back. Um, for me, this is my chance. You know who I'm going to say is a right back? Please Steve, Steve Finnan. <laughs> We're getting Steve Finnan in, surely. I don't think Steve Finnan was a, a great player, and I think I'm overrating him. So. I've gone right back as Pilaqueta, and I think we've mentioned on previous podcasts about him being underrated. As someone who captained the Champions League winning team, won the Premier League twice, won the FA Cup, Chelsea's Player of the Year, 2013 and 14 as well. Um, so I've gone for him at right back, and then left back, I've gone with Dennis Irwin. All right, well, I'm going to backtrack to right back. I was kind of half joking about Steve Finnan just because of my love for him, but I was also tying with Stephen Carr. Yeah. Stephen Carr at Tottenham, Birmingham, he was Mr. Consistent again. And I've looked at these kind of underrated players. The big trait that they all have was consistency. And I'm saying, like, when I mean consistently, like, they're, they're seven out of ten players each week. They never dropped off, but they never gave you 
a stellar performance. So, yeah, I know I said Steve Finnan, but my argument would be for Stephen Carr. And I'm not sure if you can remember the 99 season. He scored that absolute rocket of a goal against United. Yep, yeah. yeah. No, Stephen Carr was good. He was one of those uh, players that made made look playing fullback look attractive, you know, in terms of going forward and being attacking, which at that time, I guess it was just that start of your right back getting forward and, and being more of an attacking threat than in, in previous years. I think you make a good point about consistency. I think whether it's, you know, Stephen Carr, Azpilicueta. Um, so my argument there between Azpilicueta and Stephen Carr is who done it longer and for a more consistent time. I think I think Cesar Azpilicueta kind of went off the boil a little bit towards the end for Chelsea, whereas Stephen Carr kept, like even in his later days at Birmingham, I think he was part of that squad that won the League Cup. Yeah, but I don't think again. I go back to how good were they compared to how much credit they got for their for their ability and the way they played. And for me, Stephen Carr was he a was he a little bit underrated? Possibly, he definitely doesn't get talked about much at all. You know, similar kind of player to maybe like a Graham Lasso again, who doesn't get maybe the credit he deserves. But for me, Aspilicueta is someone who he's a Champions League winning captain. He's win winning Premier Leagues. He was a real leader of a very strong team. And then with all the change that Chelsea went through over the, the the amount of time he was there, he was a consistent person who kind of led the team along. So for me, his impact compared to the credit he gets are very, very far apart, which is why I would be definitely saying Azpilicueta ahead of Stephen Carr, although I'm a fan of Stephen Carr too. All right, well, for now, I might let you have uh, have him in because I haven't mentioned my left back yet. So, I toyed with the idea of Dennis Irwin. I think Dennis Irwin, obviously as a United fan, is a fantastic player all round. Going forward, free kicks. One of the few that is a right-footed left-back as well, I think we should mention. But I think with Dennis Irwin, I think if you're a true football fan, he was in the rated category. I don't think he's in the underrated category. Like, I think if you take Ashley Cole as the number one left back in the Premier League era, he's probably number two. So I don't think you can say Dennis Irwin is underrated. And that's what's led me on to having Leighton Baines as a left back. Not many people speak about Leighton Baines. And I was looking it up. He's got 53 assists as a defender. And he's in second place in all time for the assist for a defender, only being beaten by Andy Robertson at the moment. Yeah, and that might have been a lot of set pieces. I mean, there was a period of time where he was highly rated when he was at his peak. And then I think his performances just dropped off. And that's why he got he stopped being talk about, talked about so highly. Um, for me, Dennis Irwin, if you talk about consistency, is captain consistency. The reason I, I have him down as being underrated is because when people talk about Premier League greats, no one talks about him. And this is someone who's won, I think, 19 trophies. First name on the team sheet. Literally at the start of the season on the whiteboard, Alex Ferguson probably wrote left back Dennis Irwin and never wiped it off until the end of the season. And he wrote it back on again at the start of the next season. Like you said, left foot, right foot, scored free kicks, scored penalties. And that's why, for me, he's massively underrated. Yes, he was rated, don't get me wrong, but he should be up there in the discussion of Premier League greats where his name's never mentioned in that conversation. Yeah, the point that I agree with with you is I think when you look at the 90s, like the start of the Premier League, fullbacks and defenders aren't what they are now in terms of now the modern-day fullback is is almost a midfielder. They're, they're looked at as more of an attacking player. I feel like you're right with Dennis Irwin that he could do the job at both ends of the pitch. He could defend and score goals. I guess the argument that you're winning as well is Leighton Baines' assists were through set pieces, whereas I feel like Dennis Irwin's assists or attacking involvements were through probably open play. Yeah, and I do think Leighton Baines did hit a peak where he was very good, but I think there was, I think it was a, you know, a short, maybe two, three season peak. So what do you reckon? You reckon Irwin's going in in front of Baines? I I would prefer Irwin to be in there in front of Baines. Yeah, and I think I think when we come up with this team, I don't think it's a case of maybe me versus you. I think it's a case of collaboratively like coming together to find the perfect team. And I think you are right in terms of Dennis Irwin just nudges in front of uh, of Leighton Baines, and then Asbel Aqueta coming in front of Stephen Carr. But 
it's definitely a good squad that we've got going. A good uh, a good twenty four players we got here. Yeah, and it's also just interesting when you hear about you know Stephen Carr, what a player who no one talks about anymore, and you kind of forget him a little bit. So um, I'm sure there'll be a few more players like that that pop up that we've forgotten about. All right, so we're going to go Asbalaqueta right back and Dennis Irwin left back. Um, I'm proud of myself for getting his name right more often than not, so I'm doing well. Um, going on to the centre-backs, I've got one player who may have one of the best chants in the game. Okay, who's that? Colo, 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 yeah, yeah. Who is it? It's Colo Torre. Okay. Colo yeah. Torre, for me, was an incredible defender who I think when you talk about, and we've done this obviously the other week when we spoke about best pairings and best centre-backs, he never came into it, but he was part of that Invincibles team. And I just think he went under the radar of how good he actually was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the... He had the interesting story about his trial at Arsenal where he basically took out Henri and then next he took out Arsene Wenger and uh, everyone's like, who is this guy? And then before you know it, Wenger's caught saying he likes him. He likes his attitude. He likes that he's going to get stuck in. So, Yeah, so I had Colo Torre and Sammy Hippier. I think Sammy Hippier, again... That word that is the the key word and the buzzword of the podcast episode is consistency. I don't think Sammy Hippier rarely made a mistake and put his foot. He just looks so calm and just prestigious on the ball. Yeah, Sammy Hippier, I've got in as one of my centre backs. I think we we've spoken about him before. How he won pretty much everything there is to win except from the Champions League, um, and people don't even realise it. Uh, sorry, except from the Premier League, he did win the Champions League, um, and people don't realise the amount of silverware he collected during his time at Liverpool. Really, really good player. My other centre-back was Lucas Radebe. Um Interesting, yeah. Musical theme that you brought up there. Lucas Radebe, former captain of the Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa. I'm pretty sure that's where the band Kaiser Chiefs got their name from, uh, coming from Leeds as well, inspired by Lucas Radebe. What a uh, band. Yeah, Lucas Radebe is one of those that, obviously I have a lot of friends that are Leeds fans. He's a bit of a cult hero with those guys still being sung about in the stands at Ellen Road. Um, and except from Leeds fans, no one really talks about him. But he was, you know, especially in the early, his early time at Leeds, was a brilliant centre-back. So I think, so obviously we're in agreement that Sammy Hippier is one of the centre-halves. So now it comes down to a battle of the chance. Who has the better chant? It's got to be Colo Torre, surely. <laughs> Lucas Radebe or Colo Torre? I just think Colo Torre, because there was times that he almost like stepped into he stepped into the middle of the park, and like you see that now with centre backs coming forward with the ball, I felt like he did that really well. But then also he was so athletic; he almost looked like he shouldn't be athletic, but he was. Yeah, he had like a strange running style. Yeah, but remember, it's not who's the best player; it's who's the most underrated. All right, but so we'll go on this then. When you're talking about. Premier League 11, all-time 11s, and you're looking at centre-backs. Your list starts with Rio, Vidic, Van Dijk, John Terry. Like, Colo Torre, I don't think gets... Me- I think he's might maybe in the... maybe the 10th best centre-back around there. And I think Radaby is further on down the line. I-, I would say he's underrated, but I don't think... I don't think he's in the same category. Yeah, but isn't that my point, that people would write Colo Torre in there and they would just forget about Lucas Radaby? Yeah, but I think Colatore just falls short of being a rated. If we're going to say overrated, rated, underrated, people rate him. But I think I don't know. I'm I'm going to stay pretty strong on Colatore. I feel like when you talk about the Invincibles team, like if I said to you right now, Jack, the Invincible team, name some players, you'd probably be thinking your Vieiras, your Omri's, and people like that. I don't think you'd be mentioning Colo Torre. Part of the reason they stayed invincible is the clean sheets that they kept that season coming from Colo Torre being at the heart of that. Okay. So I think I thought this was a close one, but I think your little point there about the the uh, Invincibles, I'll let you take Colo Torre. I think that was a good little um, point you made there. So that's a good back four, an underrated back four, I would say. I'm liking it. I'm liking, uh, I'm liking our balance. Um, so I reckon we go with a midfield three, um, point down for the coaches out there. I think we have a, a holder midfield player and two in front or not? 
Um, I've gone point up. Okay, I think we can do that. I've, I, I'm happy to. I feel like my players are well coached and uh, balanced enough to get into a a point up system. Um, so let's go then with the two holding midfield players, Jack. Who have you got? So my two eights. Uh, first of all is Kevin Nolan. Um, I used to like him a lot playing at Bolton. He pretty much dragged his team to some wins and then moved on to West Ham. Uh, pretty sure he captained both teams at some point. Uh, a player that didn't really you know, get the recognition to in terms of England appearances or playing for a big, big club, but just that like leadership, tenacity, kind of will to win. And on top of it, real quality on the ball, scored some great goals. And then my other central midfielder is Aaron Moy. Uh, obviously, being a Huddersfield fan, Aaron Moy played for Huddersfield. He, when in the year they got promoted, was the best player in the league. Um, we initially got him on loan from Man City, who obviously rated him to buy him, and then um, performed in the Premier League to a real good level. And obviously, over time, Huddersfield got relayed. Aaron Moy went off and, and played, I don't know where, Austri- back to Australia, wherever he, wherever he was playing, and it was like... To me, it was just such a pity that he didn't then move on to a, a mid-table Premier League club because he was easily good enough to play in the Premier League. So first, of all, way, he 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 so he was in the same midfield as Phil Billing, right? And you know the way Billing's playing now with Bournemouth, chipping with goals. Naren Moy was the better player. So well done, you've managed to get Huddersfield. Uh mentioned in the podcast so that might be the the one and only time we speak about Huddersfield um I think when you like going back to your Kevin Nolan shout I think there's a and I haven't put him in my team but I think there's a more or or better underrated player within the West Ham fold and that would have been Mark Noble for me um I think I think I think Mark Noble gets the recognition but you know when he retired right they had the whole no but think about how how many times he was talked about trying to get a call up for England and rarely got a call up for England but he wasn't good enough. But fans were calling out for him. So West Ham fans. Yeah. fans. No, I think more than West Ham fans were. If if he'd have been selected for England, everyone everyone who's not a West Ham fan would be saying, why is he playing for England? Yeah. Well, all right. Well, put it this way. I'm definitely not having Aaron Moy in there. The underrated. The only thing I would say like along those lines, I do think Man City, probably in the last, like, what? When were Huddersfield in the Premier League? What year? I can't remember the exact year. Like 13, 14, give or right. take. Right. So I think you look at Man City since around then, have how many players they've had in their system, likes of Aaron Moy, who they've released and gone on and had a really good career outside of Man City. Like they do produce some some good players, but I don't for me, I don't think Aaron Moy touches Aaron Moy is nowhere near the two players that I've I've selected. So I've gone for, again, the buzzword of Mr. Consistency, Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick was superior and so important to that Man United team in the late stages of Fergie's career. I think they bought him for like £18 million. And what they got out of Michael Carrick was huge. He was, at first, everyone labelled him as the replacement for Skulls. But he came in and almost made Skulls a better player at that point because he kind of took a little bit of a burden off of him. Um, and he's just, his elegance of how he struck a ball. And he also would chip in with, with a goal now and again. I remember, I think it was a goal against Roma he scored. He, scored a, he definitely got in maybe four or five goals a season. But Michael Carrick, for me, should have played for England more. Um, and I wish that United, we, we bought him maybe a year or two sooner. I mean, there's no doubt that Michael Carrick was a better player than Aaron Moy, but that's not the question we're asking. I think Michael Carrick was massively underrated, potentially the most underrated player of all time up until the back end of his career. And then all the plaudits that he didn't get were, were kind of heaped on him at the end. When people, you know, people all, it was a, it was a favourite line of a TV host to talk about how underrated Michael Carrick is. But the the thing is, if, if all the pundits each week are talking about how underrated Michael Carrick is, then he's not underrated anymore because everyone's talking about him and everyone's rating him. So if he if it wasn't for those last few years where he got a ton of plaudits, I would 
I would have put him in there. But, you know, Aaron Moy, he was, what, 2017, 2018, when Huddersfield went in the Prem. He had two two seasons in there where he was quality. And he, should have, he should be playing in the Premier League still, or certainly after Huddersfield. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to take your argument that you just said there against Carrick, and I'm going to use it against you. You just said there that for a long period of Michael... Michael Carrick's career, he was looked at as one of the most underrated players. So why? So he's got to be in this team. If for most of his career he was such an underrated player, he falls under this category, surely. Uh, well, it depends how you what perspective you're looking from it. If you're looking at it from throughout time, you know you can pick a year when he was underrated, sure. But if you're looking at it from this moment in time, if you went up to someone in the street and said Michael Carrick. Was he a good player? They'd be talking, yeah, what a player. Passing, moving the ball. So if I if I went up to if I went up to your dad and said, Oh, Aaron Moy, was he a good player? And your dad would be saying, Oh, he was a terrific player. You got to any Huddersfield fan, they're gonna say, Oh, Aaron Moy is a good player. You yeah. Say- but if you ask anyone about Michael Carrick, they'd say the same thing. If I asked a the a guy outside of a Premier League football match today, what do you think of Aaron Moy? They'd probably say who? Right, so we're not doing the, the best unknown players. We're doing the best underrated players. You could say that about Colo Torre. You could say that about Brad Friedel. Everyone's going to say that. That's the same argument you're saying there of Carrick. So I don't think, I think, to be kind, you're talking a little bit of nonsense there about Aaron Moy. I think, I think Michael Carrick has to be in ahead of Aaron Moy tenfold. I think Michael Carrick was severely underrated up to a certain point, and then, then everyone piled the plaudits on him and talked about how underrated he was. So he was an underrated player, you're saying? Confirming that you just said that he was an underrated player? Yes, until everyone started rating him. Yeah. Aaron That's Moy- like anyone. You could, I, you, I could go back to when people were saying that Haaland wouldn't come in and score 40 goals a year and say, look, Haaland's underrated. Because at that point, people were questioning it. All right, well... For the so who are your two centre midfielders? Michael I've got, I've got Carrick and Danny Murphy. I think Danny Murphy was a player who doesn't get spoken about enough. Again, as a United fan, it pains me to talk about Liverpool players, but he was part of the team that won the Cup treble in 01. And again, as a United fan, it pains me. He's the only player to have scored three game-winning goals against Man United at Old Trafford. Um, and he only played nine times for England. He was a good player. And I think, honestly... I think Carrick and Murphy are a better pick than Aaron Moo. Sorry, Moy. Um, and who was your other one? Kevin Nolan. Yeah. To be fair, though, you did put Colo Torre in this team on the back of him having a really good chant. And Aaron Moy did have a he's got no hair, but we don't care. Aaron, Aaron Moy chant that was pretty good. I'm struggling to put Aaron Moy in here, but. Well, I, I out of the two, Aaron Moy and Nolan. Kevin Nolan was my banker. I thought he was a definite. He dragged his team along. He literally won matches by himself. He put the team on his back. All right, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a bargain in here. Because uh, you're obviously Aaron Moy's best mate, um, I'm going to say you can have Aaron Moy in there just to keep you happy because I know you get grumpy about it. But Michael Carrick has to be in there ahead of Nolan then. Or is it the other way around? Kevin Nolan and Michael Carrick. I'm so out of my two choices of Carrick and Murphy, I'd rather have Michael Carrick in there. Who would you rather have? Oh well, yes, out of your two choices, I would rather have Carrick than Murphy for sure. Okay, so then out of your two? Uh, I'm gonna go Kevin Nolan. Okay, so Carrick and Carrick and Nolan, two centre midfields, moving now on to a number ten and attacking midfield player. I've gone for a player that might not really be looked at as a number ten, but maybe more of a striker, but can definitely do this job. Um Mr. Matt Letizia. We've spoken about him on other episodes. Um, again, you look at that consistent word. Never got that move to a big, big team. No disrespect to Southampton, but I think he could have done what he did for a bigger team, picked up Premier League winners' medals, and he could have been a, a top, top player. Yeah, but I think that's because he didn't want it. I think big teams wanted him, and he, he enjoyed being the big fish in the little pond. And I think he's said that in interviews afterwards, so... I don't think you can use the fact he never got a big big club move because he, he was there on the table for him. I think. I think he just. Yeah. I think he backed out of it. Who have uh, you got? I have gone for an absolute baller, one of the most skillful players ever to play in the Premier League. 
also maybe not the most consistent, but uh, Adel Tarat. So as as you were saying all of that and hyping him up, you know who I've just thought of as maybe a late ringer? Oh. JJ Okocha. Oh, yeah. What a player. Yeah, yeah I don't think... Yeah, what a player JJ Okocha was. He wasn't there for long, though, was he? He wasn't, no. So I don't know if you can really put that in, but I think he definitely needs to be in with a shout. Oh, this is what I would say about Adel Tarap. I don't know if people have seen the interviews I've seen where Neil Warnock obviously managed more football games than any other manager in England. When he asked who his most skillful player he's cursed was, it was this guy, Tarap. Um, he did make a rule on his uh, QPR team that he cursed that Tarap wasn't allowed in his own half. Yeah, I remember that. Because he would nutmeg people on the edge of his own box and then by the third defender lose the ball and the other team would score. Um, but he would score some unbelievable goals, drifting past defenders, bending them in top corners. In terms of talent, he's got to be up there with one of the most talented players to play in the league, but also maybe one of the biggest wastes of talent to play in the Premier League as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, what a waste of talent it was, though. Um I think you're spot on in terms of the talent that he did have. And when he was on it, he was on it. But that was maybe once every six, seven games. Um, Underrated, yes, for his ability. But overall, I think Matt Letizia has to go in ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, I do think there was at one point he didn't implement also if someone on the QPR team passed the ball to to Tarab in his own half then he would get a £20 fine. How brilliant was that? They had to go in the ball in the other team's half where he could do all the skills and cause problems for them instead of causing problems for his own team. So, yeah, I get it. I just think when in terms, when in terms of talent and ability, like it's unbelievable. Uh, but I think when you think of like the true greats, I don't think Matt Letitia gets a fair, a fair shout. I think everyone looks at him as like he's stat with the penalties, but he was more than that. You look at a goal where... Like, you look at Tarap, right? All about the skills. But then you look at Matt Letizia, the goal of where he chips it over the defender's head and then volleys it in. Like, that's pure skill. Um, yeah. But can you be underrated if you then go get a job on Gillette Soccer Saturday as one of the commentators? Somebody's rating you to give you that job. No, nah, I think he's he's just got a personality about him. You look at Art, look at the people that they have on there now. Matt Dawson's on there. Good defender. Could it be in this team? No, no chance. Get out of here. Um, Matt Letizia, for me, has to be in in front of uh, Tourette. Okay, we'll go uh, We'll go Letizia. All right, so now moving on to wingers. Um, I've got wingers that can play on either side of the park. One of them, for me, is one of my favourite players as a United player, Jason Park. Um, I think that was Fergie's secret weapon. Um, and I, everyone says, oh, yeah, Jason Park's such a good player because of his work rate and he'll do any job. But I think when you really dial it down, he was a technically gifted player. He was a good player. He could beat, play, he could do every facet of the game and do it very well. Um, and then on the other side, I've got Lauren Robert. Um, I don't think Lauren Robert really gets too much of a mention, but you look at his free kicks, his left foot was an absolute wand. Yeah. Um, and I, I pulled up a stat earlier. He's scored or assisted every two and a half games in his Premier League career. That's a decent stat. Yeah, he did have a great left foot, for sure. Uh, Jason Park, yeah, he's an interesting one because, like I say, he was definitely rated by many in terms of um, Ferguson used to heap the praise on him. And obviously that then spread to fans doing the same, mainly because of his work. His work rate, his ability to man-mark people, I think it was Perlo that he basically took out of the game, just following him around the pitch for 90 minutes. Um, yeah, I remember at one, one time being at, playing against Blackburn Rovers at the Blackburn Rovers training ground, and Jason Park was filming something for a TV show behind us and just pinging balls into targets and just never missed, and it was just a jerk. So he was a very good player. I just don't know if he was underrated. I think a real football fan knows his worth. Yeah. So, who have you gone for then? So, I'd, so I've gone for like a front three of goal scorers. So, it's hard for me to really say who's playing out wide. 
Um, I know the one's going to upset you. I, I'll go with the two Man United players as the players going on the outside. No, I won't. I'll go with one of them. One is Wayne Rooney. So I know your reaction is going to be Wayne Rooney. Everyone rates him. Everyone thinks he's brilliant. But to me, the reason why Wayne Rooney is underrated is because if people talk about the greats of the Premier League, the best five players ever in the Premier League, or the best attacker ever in the Premier League, they talk about Shearer, they talk about Henri, they talk about Haaland now, they talk about Van Nistelrooy, but they don't talk about Wayne Rooney. And this is a guy who, you know, 16, scored that goal against Arsenal, whipping in the top corner. You know, it, what was it, 18, 19, when he scored a hat-trick on his Champions League debut. Scored some of the most iconic goals of all time in the Premier League. Um, he was just built different to everyone else. Doesn't get in that conversation of the best of the best of the best. And for that reason, I think he's underrated. Yeah, I agree and disagree at the same time. I think Rooney is underrated as a number nine. I think that he had many times in his career where he almost dropped deeper and he had some roles on the left and right and dropped maybe into midfield more. There was one season where Rooney was on fire as a true number nine. And I think people didn't people didn't kind of rate him a little bit as a true striker, as like an out-and-out striker. They saw him as like a complete forward almost, like he'd get around and do every job. So I agree in the aspect of I think he's underrated as a striker, but I think if you're pushing him out to either wing, I, I don't think you can put him in this team. Well, I think that's one of the skills that he has that maybe – makes him underrated is that he could play anyway. He could play holding midfield if he wanted to. He'd probably be a decent goalkeeper. You know, like, I remember seeing, again, an interview with him talking about at 16, going and training with the Everton first team, kind of being, wow, I'm going to go train with these idols that I've been watching over the last years of my life. And after a week, he's there going, these are crap. I'm better than all of these. Yeah. And it's 16. And just to have not only the ability, but the confidence and the attitude to be like, I'm better than all of these. It was just unbelievable. So I think I think he's underrated. And I think the fact that he can play in a number of positions just says it even more so. My other player that I guess is going to have to go wide, but he played as a fr- part of a, a front two, um, was Kevin Phillips, who for me has to be in this team um, as an underrated player. People might not even know him. Who are listening? Kevin Phillips, uh, twenty twenty one Golden Boot and European Golden Shoe Award, uh, two hundred forty six goals in his career and five hundred eighty appearances. Somehow got that Sunderland team to I think they finished seventh. Just missed out in Europe after being promoted. Him and Niall Quinn up front, just just a goal scorer. And I think you know, even in the in the in the time Sunderland got promoted to the Premier League, he scored a lot of goals. When they got promoted, people talked about how he'd be ineffective. He'd be lucky to score five goals. I think it was maybe Rodney Marsh on TV who said he'd be lucky to score five or six goals. And they went on to score, I think, 30 goals. I think he had 20 goals by January. So, massively underrated. And then who's your third then? Because I'm curious about how you're lining this up. So, my other attacker, I've just gone three attackers. My other attacker is Andy Cole. Five times Premier League winner. Won everything at the top level, including the Golden Boot. Uh, including PFA Young Player of the Year. Fastest player ever to 50 goals in the Premier League. Faster than Shearer, Van Nistelrooy, anyone else. So for me, Andy Cole, massively underrated again. Not only the amount of goals he scored, but scored some important goals. I think the goal against Tottenham, was it to win the, pretty much to win the Premier League, flicked it over the defender's head and then banged it in the top corner. It's like, wow, what a goal and what an important goal as well. Um, but again, does, if you talk about the best strikers in the Premier League, how many people mention Andy Cole? Yeah, but I think I think what you've done here is put three strikers squeezed into your team where only Rooney can maybe play out wide. You're not putting Andy Cole or Kevin Phillips out wide. So I think if we're going to do this as two wingers and a striker, you need to get rid of maybe one or two of your players. So just to say on obviously the strikers, for me, I put Jermaine Defoe in there. I don't think Jermaine Defoe gets recognised as a good striker or a great striker in the Premier League, but he's ninth. He's the ninth best goal scorer, and he was such a poacher, and he did it for such a long time in his career. Obviously, he had the the link up with Peter Crouch, and it, and it was he was almost maybe towards the end of the era of big man, little man, a mm-hmm. bit like Niall Quinn, right? Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips. 
looking at who you've picked, I would probably go probably Kevin Phillips over Jermaine Defoe. So I think you can maybe put Wayne Rooney on one wing, maybe Phillips as a striker, but I think Andy Cole's a rated striker. I think if you talk to true football fans, Andy Cole is up there as one of the most rated strikers. So I think you I think we've got to be in with a shout of Rooney goes in, Kevin Phillips goes in, but then it's a toss up between Lauren Robert and Jason Park, and I would probably go for Jason Park. So I would go with Lauren Robert. I just think Jason Park, because he's talked he's talked about a lot. Jason Park is talked about a lot. But he's talked about for his work rate and his versatility, not about his technical ability and his actual true IQ. Yeah, that's fair. That he's maybe people. Like, anyway, if you mentioned Jason Park, oh yeah, he was that player that would really work hard and he could play any position. Not oh yeah, that's Jason Park. He was he was a great winger. He could beat players. He could pass the ball. He could shoot. He could score. So I think that's where you put you throw him in the underrated team. Yeah, I think people overlooked parts of his game because some of the other parts were so strong and so impactful in that team as well. Like you take someone like a Carlos Tevez, right? Carlos Tevez was a good finisher, but everyone looks at him as, oh, yeah, Carlos Tevez, the workhorse up front, whereas sometimes you've got to look at some of these players behind what you're actually seeing. People with half a brain can pick out the players that do more than just run around like a headless chicken. And I think Jason Park sometimes gets brushed aside for being just a workhorse, where, in fact, he was a very good player. So you're looking at going Rooney, Kevin Phillips and Jason Park? I would be happy with that, and I think that that would conclude a fantastic underrated eleven. Yeah, I mean, oh, unless you want to go to four four two. No, we'll go. Yeah, no, I, I. So we'll go. So we go back from the start. Brad Friedling goal. We went Asbrilaqueta right back, Dennis Irwin left back, Colo Torre and Sammy Huppier, Michael Carrick and Kevin Nolan, Matt Letizia in front, Rooney out on the left, Jason Park on the right. Kevin Phillips as a striker. Okay. Are we in agreement? No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think, you know, like you say, Andy Cole, I still think I have him down as being a lot more underrated than you think, but I agree that it wouldn't be right to kind of put him out on the wing somewhere. So, And I think if you're looking at a true number nine, I think Phillips is probably less... I think Andy Cole, sorry, is more rated than Kevin Phillips is in the general population. Yeah, Kevin Phillips might struggle playing as the one number nine with two wide players and not a big, tall Niall Quinn next to him, but it's not real. Um, so I'm happy to put Kevin Phillips in there. I think if I'm going to pick one player in this whole list who is the most underrated player, I would say Kevin Phillips. Wow. That's a, that's a bold sure. shout. Maybe Sammy Hippier. Yeah, fair. I would say Sammy Oppio was uh, is not talked about enough for what he actually does. But again, I agree with you on Kevin Phillips being a, a very good player. It goes kind of under the radar. Um, but you know what? I'd also be interested, obviously, the listeners that we do have, like what their underrated 11 are. Obviously, we have our social media, uh, our email and whatnot. Please, please get in touch and let us know who, who we missed out on. I'm sure we've, we've missed out on one or two players. Please let us know. Um, but Jack, I think we've we've done a good job here in coming up with our uh, best eleven. Yeah, I think that's the thing about an underrated eleven. There's always going to be people you overlook because you didn't rate them, and maybe they are a better player than you thought, and you kind of forgotten about them a little bit. So, I think we've done a pretty good job there. What I would say, I'm just look, kind of looking at some notes that I've wrote down. There was one player that I was fit toying about putting in as a winger, uh, and that was Nanny. I think. Yeah. Yes. There was one stat that I found of him, though. Listen to this. He got more goals and assists in his first appearances, in his first 100 appearances than Cristiano Ronaldo, and more assists in his first 100 appearances than Wayne Rooney. But he lived in Ronaldo's shadow. So I I think we've hit the nail on the head with Park and Rooney, but I think he would be uh, on the bench of this underrated 11. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue against him being in the 11, to be honest. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there where... The problem for him was that he was in the same team as Ronaldo. Ronaldo got the plaudits, but Nani was unbelievable. He got some great goals as well. So I'm going to propose deadline day transfer, Jason Park out, Nani in. Yeah, let's do it. Deal. Bargain in. All right, so we've we've concluded that. Jack, I've had a little thought as well as we've been talking this. I've been writing down some Davids. Um, 
I think I've got seven, but I'm unsure of this mystery eighth player. Right, okay. Well, do you want to tell me who you think the seven are that have won, that have a Premier League winner's medal? Listen to the words. That have a Premier League winner's medal. Okay, so my number one, uh, the first person I came with was uh, David Silva. Correct. David Beckham. Correct. David De Gea. Correct. Another goalkeeper, David Seaman. Correct. A Man United legend, David May. David May, that's five. This one I only got very, very soon. Uh, Just now, Sideshow Bob, David Louise. <laughs> that's right, yeah. David Louise, David Louise. And then this, my last one, I'm not sure if he won it or not. I think I think he was part of the Blackburn team, but obviously I was only quite young at that age. David Batty. So David Batty is the mystery number eight player. Uh why? So David Batty played five times for Blackburn Rovers the year they won the league. Five times is enough to get you a winner's medal. So he should be given a winner's medal. He broke his foot, which meant he only played five times. He refused to accept the medal. Uh, uh, that's so because he felt like he didn't play a big part in the team that won the title, he actually refused the Premier League winner's medal. Um, so he does not have one. Interesting. So, that... so I've missed out on one of the person who has actually picked it up. Yeah, so, you, so David Batty was the one player who won the league but does not have a Premier League winner's medal. You've got six out of the seven who did pick up a medal. Can't think of that seventh. Number seven, Arsenal. Back in the day a little bit. Played for England. David Platt. David Platt, correct. There we go. All right. I got that with maybe a little bit of a clue. I wonder how the, the listeners got on. But no, I've, I've really enjoyed this episode. Out of the kind of the best 11s we've done, I think this was kind of bringing back some good memories. I don't know about you. Yeah, thought-provoking. You had to kind of go through the old soccer encyclopedia a little bit to think of some players as well, which is good. Yeah, so... Again, we're always looking for, for topics to discuss. If any listeners have some ideas of what you'd like to hear from myself and Jack, we're open. Um, but uh, from both of us, we bid you a farewell and uh, we look forward to next week. Bye, guys.